This week on the Fan Club, we are talking college football playoffs and believe it or not, a little about COVID. I am Michael. And I am Thomas. Welcome to the Fan Club. Here comes a pizza, see it? That's some pizza. And we're talking about practice. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I'm in right center. If he hits one there, we can dance in the streets. The 2 1. Swan leg right left hand! One stop! Yeah, so, uh, Basically, what I wanted to talk about was um, playoffs. I uh, I talked to you earlier. I said that I'd heard a heard something about the um, college football possibly uh, wanting to expand for just this year due to, I imagine, shorter seasons and all that kind of thing. I don't know how realistic that is. If that's actually a real uh, idea that they're they're thinking of, or if it was uh, just a one off comment that I'd read somewhere. But that kind of got me thinking about um, expansions in general for playoffs. And, and of course, we're in the middle of playoff season with uh, baseball. Uh, NBA just got to where we got game one of the championship on right now. So yeah, figure we could uh, do some talk about that. And so, uh, so my first question, I guess, is what would you think about if they expanded the college football for, for just the season even? So let's think about the purpose of playoffs, right? I'm just going super high level at this point. The purpose of the playoffs is usually for um, the difference in dynamics of a playoff, whether if it's four for college football or, you know, 16 for another sport. It's because there's just a lot of drop off between, you know, really knowing who the best player, the best teams are. Mm hmm. And my thing is, is in college football, you really do come close to knowing who the top four teams are. Yeah, I would agree. Right. So I don't, I'm just naturally against raising it much beyond four. I think I'd compromise would be six or eight as a final solution, just like long-term. And I was way opposed to um, two for the BCS national championship. Two, so uh, I, just two teams. Yeah, just two. I thought that was way too small. You've seen some really good teams left out. See, and I was on the uh, the other side of that when they uh, started changing over to go to the playoff system. I was more on the side of uh, the bowl games of having the BCS championship. Yeah, yeah. And my main uh, reasoning for that is this: uh, the whole idea that gets floated around of um, you put more teams in than it, in a sense, could possibly cheapen that that uh, those games. You know, if you have one national championship game, uh, a la BCS, you got two teams that you know every team in the in the country is fighting for that one game. Whereas now you got four slots that they're aiming for you expand that more then you got more slots that they're aiming for it just kind of it kind of oh, i yeah. guess waters it down more and um of course i've changed completely on that to where i'm now i'm in love with the college football playoff but i'm still kind of having that thought of if they expanded it that could potentially cheapen that i mean yeah th- just there's so many different dynamics to this right mm-hmm. so uh the classic dynamic is is the actual selection of these four teams. That's mm-hmm. a complete chaotic circus as it is. Cause it's a human based decision-making yeah. scheme. Like people are going to be mad when it's three teams from one conference, but yet what if they are the three be- of the four best teams in the country? They rightfully right. deserve it. Yeah. And it's all tied to the shortest sport in all of sports, which is football. I mean, you're literally having to judge 
only a select amount of games, a dozen games and a conference championship. Like this isn't college basketball where you're playing, you know, four times as many games. And the right. funny thing about college basketball is, is 68 teams get in. Exactly. And if you really think about it, the what people don't talk about in college basketball is there's hundreds and hundreds of colleges. They all have a legitimate shot of making the tournament. Even if they're the worst team in uh, in the year going into oh, yeah. March, you play in a conference championship. Every single team that's playing in college basketball plays in their conference tournament. So that's that's every conference. It's a full conference tournament. Exactly. So okay. technically, college basketball is crazy. You could be 0 and 30 and still have a shot of making the tournament. That is really wild. Yeah. And it's literally, you know, anyone gets it. It's a clean slate, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's it's wild. And there's there's one part of me that says, um, okay, we have this big, you know, March Madness 64 team playoff. Then what's really the point of a full season if, you know, you could win your conference championship and then, and then get in. But, I mean, it. I, I think there's obviously validity in having a full season it just it it brings up those kind of thoughts so yeah so this is really high level talk like theoretical four teams should it be expanded mm-hmm. now let's bring it down to 2020 the chaos of 2020 with covid yeah. now we have a potential to really have an excuse to expand it exactly we got like the sec we're playing what 10 games 10 if we play 10 like we yeah. again like we're airing this podcast after the very first week of SEC football, football yeah. and about the fourth week of college football in general. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing left and right games get canceled. Notre yep. Dame's had some issues. So you're saying 10, but there's a very good chance. I'm, I'm going to throw out a number. Yeah. There's a very good chance that half of the SEC teams play only nine games this year. I could see that. You, you can look at uh, baseball as an example. You know, you have a team like the Cardinals that had a, a spree there where I think they played two weeks and they played yeah. a couple games because of COVID. And he, and here's the thing, like the schedules are mixed up. Like this is getting super deep. But mm-hmm. if Auburn beats goes out and beats Alabama again, they're not going to go back to their dorm room that night. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like they're college kids on college campuses beating out the mighty Goliath, there's no way that there's going to be contact issues. And the thing is, is like, that's not the end of the season game, right? So they've yeah. actually tacked on um, the non-traditional schedules. Auburn has to go out and play uh, A&M the very next week, right? Yeah. Right after the Iron Bowl. So right. it's just going to be such a unique year. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it pans out. But the playoffs, I firmly believe that um, just after a very select few amount of weeks that there is some seriously lopsided um, just tactics and strategy and effort on teams and this whole taking 2020 seriously. Yeah. You're seeing, you're seeing teams that should just be dominating um, their conferences, just get completely choked up. Oklahoma lost to Kansas state by no reason they should have. Nope. (laughs) And I guarantee you, like I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. They won it last year. I mean, Kansas state beat Oklahoma last year, but I firmly believe COVID's having an impact on win losses and upsets and, it, it all comes back to which athletic departments are taking this thing seriously. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, at the very base level, you look at 
how many players are out because of it and, and, and who those players are, you know, I mean, every, every player has its value, but if you lose, you know, five starters, that's going to have an, an effect. You know, we, Alabama played Missouri and Missouri had, I think seven players out total. Yeah. Um, of those, I can't remember how many were starters, but you know, that has to have an effect. Here's a great question for you. Name me one national champion that didn't do it without a star player. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like that, that's kind of like how important COVID is. Like, yeah, if your star player goes out at the most important time, you're done. Yeah. Right. Joe Burrow last year. Yep. Clemson would have won that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go back every single year at someone. Jameis Winston at Florida State, Cam Noon at Auburn. There's no way these teams win it without them. Yeah. So if if they were to expand the playoffs, I think. I, I don't really know how six would work. I think eight would be the max. I think we talked about that already. Um, and then my curiosity would be if we have an eight team playoff and people like it, what do you think that would look like going forward? Would the, the NCAA want to keep it like that? Or would, I, would they be capable of just doing that in one season? Yeah. So again, this year is just so much different than uh, future years because mm-hmm. Um, this year you're going to be playing it in probably a neutral site that's super crisp and clean or like a nice home stadium. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about the fans, right? Yeah. In future years, when you expand it to eight teams, look what you're asking these college fans to do, right? And don't get me wrong, college fandom. We're freaks. Crazy expensive sport um, if you're a diehard and people will pay anything. They'll they'll literally elope so they could go to a national championship. Yeah. Um, but don't get me wrong. Like, listen to me. If you expand to eight, you're going to, if your team, say your team is just like once in a generation, oh my gosh, like this is the year kind of moment, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to go to your conference championship. Yep. That's a weekend at some city. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, all the expenses that come with that. Yep. You're going to go to, uh, what would that be? The quarterfinals with eight teams. So you're going to go wherever that is. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to go to the semifinals and then you're going to pay to go to the national championship all in the hope that you don't lose and don't, and don't feel like you wasted your money. Yeah, right. But that being said, like if you think through that with all those fans, then you're like, Oh, well maybe we should have these on site, like these quarterfinal games on site and the semifinal games on site mm-hmm. um, to the highest seed. Well, yeah. I, I, as a true Southerner, like, Although I, you know, spent years with you in the Midwest, like mm-hmm. I, as an Alabama fan, do not want to go up to Michigan in the middle of December. Oh, God, no. Be right? cold up there. Um, those Bama boys will absolutely get wiped. Yeah. So you ha- that's affecting on the field. So now you have to weigh in. What do you want to affect the most? On the field issues, off the field issues for the fans. Then you have the bowl games that you still have to please because that's old money that... Um, it's tied to cities, tied to the entire commerce of those cities, economic yep. impacts, hotels. Mm-hmm. Like the bigger you expand this playoff, the more it affects the bulls and and it dilutes the bulls and what it, it means. And so. I, I, I've been wrote that down to bring up is uh, that's one of the reasons that I was an, initially not a big fan of the playoffs because it it, it kind of made the bowl games not seem as important. Like I uh, I got into the college football fan base relatively uh relatively late in life uh i mean i was still 20 ish but mike michael i was i was straight up in the marching band with you in high school and oh, yeah. we would like be going to these high school football games guys i kid you not 
Michael would proudly proclaim he was the most anti-football person. I did not like the the sport at all. Did not like the sport. And the funniest thing is it's an Oreo effect. Straight up, he played football in middle school. I played two years in junior high, yeah. And and honestly, I attribute that to part of the reason I didn't enjoy football after that. I can see, we, I can see that. I mean, we did not have the greatest. I don't know. We had the best coaches for junior high. Like I was not great. I was on the on the second team, and the coaches, uh, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, they would focus more of their efforts on the on the first team. Uh, prepping for high school, you know, which I don't fully disagree with. But at the same time, you got a whole team of kids that want to learn the sport and don't necessarily get the attention that they need to fully understand the sport. Oh, man, I am right in there in line with you. Every single word you said, because you're talking to a guy that got cut from basketball tryouts, this young kid that came out of Colorado over to this Missouri high school to try out for the basketball team. Mm -hmm. I missed one layup and they're like, all right, try next year. Right. And then I go on to be six foot five dunking on ESPN. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, that coach blew it, man. But hey, that's another story. Yeah. Um, we have digressed completely from the playoff. We absolutely podcast. have. Um, but you know what? This is what it is. This is a conversation. This is episode one. Um, this is how we naturally talk, right? This is this is how couch conversation goes. I'm not going to force us to get back to um, another segment or anything like that. Right. Um, I really want you guys to be involved with our conversation uh, loosely based around sports. Mm-hmm. And with that, um, we're here to listen from y'all. And so um, I may regret this later, but episode one, I'm just going to st- straight up say, it. talk to us, like uh, reach out to us, send us an email, DM us on social. And we want to hear your opinion on anything, whether if you had personal, terrible stories in junior high trials, like I did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, We'll uh, go ahead and mention it now. If you want to get us at Twitter, uh, the podcast does have a handle at uh, at Fan Club Pod, um, and we will also um, have a have a. We will also have our social handles at the end of this episode. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, we will have all those available for you. And we uh, we have notes in this. <laughs> can we put notes in? We can put yeah, our we'll, handles we'll, in there we'll, and everything. We'll, we'll type up something. You'll be able to find our handles. Handle us, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> Just handle us. Yes. So what we are trying to do loosely is Michael will bring a topic to the table and then I will also bring a topic to the table. So are you ready to kind of shift gears into what I want to talk about? Let's do it. Although we never really came up with a conclusion on the playoffs. And you know what? I think that's the exact solution that we're in right now. I don't know that there is a is a real conclusion because, you know, there's always going to be another argument for or against or, you know. I mean, you've heard this a million times. So, like, I'm not saying anything new. I'm not pretending to be like the cool, smart guy that, like, came up with something to say. But, like, right. no matter what the cutoff is, the one left out is always going to demand more. Absolutely. And the powerhouses are always going to demand less. It's, it's just the powers that be. And um, I'm honestly happy at four including this COVID unique year, I guarantee you in one of those four teams, there will be a valid winner, a valid Mm -hmm. champion that earned their spot in the four and that earned their right to be called national champion. Absolutely. All right. So we do talk about everything in sports. It just so happens that we are more, a little bit more standard around college football. So actually my topic is also about college football tonight, but again, all of our conversations about everything, um, I'm randomly a big Nuggets fan, Michael. Oh, yeah. Who's your teams? 
Uh, you mean across sports? All across sports. Okay, let's start. Let's start West Coast. Uh, so we got the uh, LAFC for uh, Major League Soccer. I I dabble in the Dodgers as well, and then the the newly crowned uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, of course, the Alabama Crimson Tide, Kansas City Royals, and uh, I I I I would be remiss not to be a Missouri Tigers fan as well being a lifelong Missourian all right so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask our listeners to proclaim Michael a title based off of all of those (laughs) random random sporting clubs Mm -hmm. again to recap LAFC yes Las Las Vegas Vegas Raiders yep Kansas City Royals Mm -hmm. Alabama Crimson Tide and loosely Dodgers Tigers Missouri Tigers yes Wow, Michael. And to be fair, I've got a reason for uh, LAFC being they've only been around for, I think this is the third season they've been uh, playing. They started that club while I was living in California, in Southern California. So I've got, oh, yeah. I got a reason for that one. Oh, man. Oh, we're, oh, I guarantee we're going to spend many episodes talking about fandom origins. It oh, just absolutely. fascinates me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that like... People has fa- have fandom that literally it's because like one uncle randomly bought them like a T-shirt when they were three years old and they right. wore it till they were five years old. And like, oh, yeah, I'm the biggest USC Trojan fan or, right. you know, it's that type of stuff mixed with um, generational fandom. I love mm-hmm. generational fandom, even That's though like, I don't really Royals for me. Yeah. And I hate the Chiefs, even though my father's the biggest Chiefs fan. <laughs> so I definitely like the buck stops here with me. But um, generational fandom fascinates me. I even have a friend. We got to get him on the show. Yeah. He is a diehard. And when I, what I mean by diehard is like fully committed to teams, right? Like does not sway. Yeah. But how he picks his teams is the funniest ways possible. Oh yeah. Um, I think the most recent one is he decided to be a, um, I believe it was a baseball fan. Yeah. Right. So like, he's like, Oh, what baseball team should I root for? And he had his like wife, I think, throw a dart at all the <laughs> logos. And he's like committed. Like he bought the jerseys and he's going to the games. And he's like, this is it. And That's awesome. So we'll talk about that later. I, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of like having conversation around fandom and origins of it. Um, but, oh, my gosh. Off topic. But I love it. Um, my topic is also around college football. You're going to get mm-hmm. a little bit more heavy dose of college football from us this time of the year. We absolutely love it. We even mm-hmm. built a random uh, website about it, pro-u.com. Definitely origins in college football. So again, my story is also about college football, and it is down in Texas. So week one, UT Austin is straight up playing their game against UTEP. Blowout, 59-3. to Do you know where this is going? It's going to the Texas Tech game somewhere? No, no, it's it's this UTEP game. Literally oh, blowing so out their we're opponent. We're just sticking on the UTEP game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're blowing out their opponent at home. UTEP, just, you know, their in-state opponent. Yep. 59 to 3 is the final score. Yeah. They have a junior that's actually really talented. Mm-hmm. Named BJ Foster. Okay. Safety. Guess what he does in the second half? What's he do? He quits the team. In the middle of the game? In the middle of the game. He literally <laughs> just sneaks out. He doesn't, he doesn't, from what I've heard and read on board and stuff, it's not like he like is coming up to his assistant coach, you know, and he's like, I gotta go. No, I think he literally just dipped out. <laughs> that's and incredible. he's like, I'm done. I'm so, quitting college football. That's incredible. 
Now, there's a follow-up, but we'll stay in the moment for a second. What on earth makes you think this is, a, like, a good idea? Like, luckily, this is a home game. Yeah. So, what if it was a road game that he had this idea? Right. Yeah, that'd be a really awkward bus situation. Oh, absolutely. Paging Lane Kiffin here. Luckily, he was home, so I guess he just, like, drove home, like, and probably caught the fourth quarter at his dorm. But... <laughs> I, I am saying this very, very, very like comedic and trying to poke fun at this guy, but you yeah. don't know what's in his head. These are exactly I'm the biggest believer in like understanding perspective with college sports. And like these are 18 to 21 year olds. Exactly. We are all 18 to 21. And if you aren't yet. Get Just ready. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're emotionally challenged. Um, you constantly think about your future with stress. Mm -hmm. um, who knows what was going through his head? And so, like, I don't want to pound on him too hard, but you did quit the team in the middle of the game. Like, you couldn't wait an extra hour. Exactly. That's at tops. You know, another another two hours. That that just that's kind of that that makes you wonder. I, I I don't understand the the thought process there of leaving in the middle of the game. And and if it is the way you're explaining, it just dips out like that. That's that's something else. <laughs> so follow up. Right. So when I heard we all heard this kind of like come out like the next day um, and there's a lot of speculation happening. But the follow up was apparently he was frustrated with lack of playing time. OK, which I get it. You this is like, you know, especially if you have aspirations of being a pro athlete, mm -hmm. you got to get your playing time in like that's that's straight up like your way in. Right. Like think about your business. Like, yes, these are student athletes, but he's basically feeling like he got passed up for a promotion. That's oh, yeah, really what it kind of feels like. Especially with football. College football is how you fill your resume. I mean, exactly. You, you have to go to, to school for three years to, to even go into the draft. So this is vital for a college athlete trying to get into football. And and and, and to me, what's what's crazy about it is, is like if you're not going for professional aspirations, then you're doing it because you love the sport and you love being on a team. Well, that obviously had a ripple effect for this team. Mm -hmm. You have like one of your junior supposedly starters quitting on your team. So follow up was apparently um, Herman head football coach for Texas. He settled it. They talked the very next day on Sunday. Yeah, it was settled internally. He's back on the team, and in fact, he actually played against Texas Tech in that crazy overtime game. I did. I, wow. <laughs> I, I something like that. I there must have been something else going on then to to just let him back on the team and play in that next game. Yeah. You, you have to think that you know a coach isn't going to let you back on if there was no reason for that. You know, quite honestly, like. I'm a fan of Alabama and mm -hmm. I quickly can say that eh, next man up situation. We have five stars sitting on the pine. Right. But like you need everyone to buy in this season. Oh yeah. This is not the season where you need to be down a man. No. LSU um, was down to 75 scholarship players this season yeah. going into this season. And sure enough, they're really feeling that fatigue already. Oh, absolutely. I know they had a huge, uh, huge uh, flood of COVID cases. Uh, what was that? A few weeks ago? Yeah, it was not long ago. So it's just going to be a crazy season. We're going to see like this story alone in any regular season is crazy. But this will be a very normal thing to be seen um, 
we're just going to we're just gonna have to buckle up honestly and be in for a wild ride i'm excited to be here with all of our listeners in this kind of global pandemic we'll never see anything else like this in sports again that affects every single sport um Mm -hmm. we could talk for days about how it literally affects every single athlete yep I, i just turned on baseball and i'm looking at a you know a wild card series with nobody in the stadium just wild it's absolutely oh, don't even get me started on just the economic ripple effect i worked mm-hmm. in the sports business for three years as a creative director for a sports ad agency this this global pandemic is affecting so many people that are just not seen on camera oh absolutely um, third-party companies partnerships sponsorships uh even down to you know the boy scouts that run uh the alabama vin or uh alabama concession stands yeah like we just have to understand that we need patience and we will recover but we need to honestly just be for there for the people that you know are just really tripped up for not having um just a normal season absolutely all right uh with that another thing we uh kind of would like to do on a regular basis you know is you know, with as many sports as uh, are going on right now, there's usually at least one or two things that kind of jumps out at, at you know, anybody that's a sports fan that kind of stands out as a big thing in that week. And so we'd like to kind of share something that, you know, popped out for us. And of course, we would also like to hear what popped out for you. Uh, but for myself, it was uh, the final game of the regular season for Major League Baseball. We had, uh, for the Kansas City Royals, we had a 14-year veteran who spent his entire career with the Royals, which is already a pretty rare feat, just playing with one team. But he played his last game on uh, on that game, and it was uh, left fielder Alex Gordon, who was drafted, I believe, number one overall from Nebraska, and um, started, when he first started, was playing third base, and then end up gotten gotten got moved around and and I believe they said he played every single position on the field other than catcher. He pitched for us a handful of times, you know, whenever you ha- go into a deep game where you run out of pitchers. But uh he <clears throat> made his name out in left field, you know, he had I think seven gold gloves, a bunch of silver sluggers and you know all kinds of awards and he's he's got my favorite my favorite Royals record that he holds is a, an odd one and I don't know if it's a record to be proud of it's it's he he holds the royals record for most hit by pitches which is <laughs> i love that <laughs> it's awesome would, which, you, wait what's his body weight ah uh, that's a good question i mean he's not a super big guy but do I you mean, think there is ratio of like when you stand sideways your width well to how i many think ball do you hit? so i know a big part of it is a lot of the times you'll see you know if you're watching a game a pitcher throws inside you'll see the batters you know get out of the way, do what they can to get out of the way. And Alex, you know, every time you'd, every time I'd watch him play, pitch would come inside. He'd just stand there and take it. You know what? You help the team, right? Exactly. It goes into your, um, your, uh, it goes into your stats, your on base percentage that, that takes into consideration walks, hits, uh, hit by pitches, all of that. So if you can have that record, you know, that's, it was somewhere over a hundred hit by pitches or something. That's, that many times he was on base and potentially a scoring run. So it's a, it's a strange stat, but it's a, it's an oddly important one. And uh, so, yeah, uh, he was uh, super important to the Royals. His work ethic was uh, 
the top. Um, he had a, a wild uh, diet and workout regimen. And they, all the players and all the staff always said that, you know, Alex was the epitome of what they want their athletes to be uh, performing at. And uh, just always a, a very good athlete, very good guy, nice guy, Does has done a lot for Kansas City, you know, with uh, different things. But yeah, that was my uh, big one was Alex going. He he came in for the first inning. They actually had him start uh, start the batting order at number one, which is usually reserved for Whit Merrifield for the last however many years. Um, but they put him at number one. He uh, he batted once in the first inning. They let him go out and field for an inning, and then they they switched him out. And he said goodbye, ran around the field, hugged everyone, saw, uh, hugged everyone in the in the dugout, went and changed out of his cleats and sat down to watch the rest of the game. It was, it was, uh, it was, uh, a nicely emotional game just to, to see something like that. You know, like I said, 14 year veteran played, played with Kansas city his whole career. So it was cool. Awesome. So what caught my attention this past week was I was watching the incredible, um, Patriots versus Seahawks game. Mm-hmm. And that could very, very well be, a really a, a game that decides a lot for the playoff push. Um, everyone thinks that Seattle might be the best team in the NFC and the Patriots have a good shot of making the playoffs this year and doing a deep run with Bill Belichick is just common knowledge. Mm-hmm. What I, what really caught my attention was the broadcaster said that Russell Wilson has never received an MVP vote, not one vote. Really? And this guy is set up to break at least be in the top five for basically every single quarterback record there is um, in his career. He's just constantly putting up numbers that no one talks about and just so happens to be in the shadows. He's a Super Bowl champion. He puts up thousands of yards a year. Um, is constantly, constantly taking his, his team that's spread thin. It's usually him that's carrying all the weight. And the thing that just caught my attention is, that how can you not even give him a vote? Like one person, just give him a vote. Yeah, that that you, you said hadn't gotten the MVP, which and then you said a vote at all, which really kind of blew my mind because if I'm uh, correct, uh, he's like the the number one QB in the league right now, isn't he? I, I think he's like top for fantasy for sure. So what's even wilder is like Russell did really good last year, but. Lamar Jackson received all 50 votes last all year. Of them. <laughs> all of them. Um, he joined Tom Brady as the only other unanimous unanimous MVP in NFL history. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, where is the bias? I mean, in college football, at least, you have literally have votes broken down by region. Yeah. Because um, there are so many games and the voters re- really can't. I'm sorry. There are so many teams and the voters really get can't watch all the games. So they have bias towards who's in their region. Mm-hmm. And you see voters definitely steer towards um, their conferences that they uh, cover as AP journalists, things like that. But in NFL, there's 50 votes, 32 teams. That's still a good enough number to give one of the best performing all-time quarterbacks, a vote. Yeah, absolutely. And as you were saying, I was I was on my phone looking up how many times that had happened. And as I got my phone on, you said that it was twice now. <laughs> so we 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 mentioned a bunch, but we have a very similar thought process. And I was that's a that's a wild stat that it's happened twice. 
So this is the year. I promise you, Russell Wilson, I know that you're one of our first few followers on this podcast. I promise you, you're going to receive a vote this year. And if not, by the time one of us becomes an AP NFL MVP <laughs> uh, ballot boxer. Uh, voter. Voter. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I forgot the name voter. By the time one of us becomes an AP voter, I got your back then, too. Even if, like, you're, like, eight years removed from the league. I'll oh, yeah. You're getting you. a vote. You're getting a vote. All right, everyone. Please, please, please share this with one other sports friend that you know. Um, it would mean the world to us. We're really just trying to have a conversation with everyone uh, listening to us. Please join that conversation. Bring your friends. That's all we have for you this week. Go ahead and subscribe to the fan club on all podcast platforms and hit us up on socials at fan club pod. We'll talk to you next time. Here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs>